Welcome to the first episode of the Frank's Percussion Podcast. I'm Frank. Today I'm outside of Philadelphia, interviewing Gaetano Bosco about his lifelong DJ career. Full-time DJing gave me the opportunity to focus more on my clients. Gaetano shares stories about his early gigs, how he started booking musicians, his own booking preferences, and how he sees his work now. I had a great time in this conversation. Please enjoy. Hey, Gaetano. Hey, Frank. We're here on the podcast. Today is the 1st of December. I quiet my phone. And we're in beautiful Bucks County, Pennsylvania. Indeed. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. You and I just played a gig together last night. It's rocking. Had a great time. Looks like we're going to get booked again. Yes. So that's that. That's do. Yeah. Couldn't be happier. And how did we find each other? I remember you calling me. I was in Texas. Yeah. I had a percussionist drop out from a wedding he was booked with me on. I don't know. I think I had like a few days to find another drummer and I just searched all over the East Coast. And then I don't know how I found you on the internet somewhere. And then I might have reached out to you on Instagram. And then we put together some numbers and you came out and you crushed it. And you're like, as far as the different style drummers are out there, it's nice to have percussionists and drummer, drummer percussionists for clients to choose from. How are people finding you nowadays, mostly? So 80% of my weddings, we'll say, first, come from referrals. So anytime I do a wedding, I'm performing, and that's my advertising. And the other 20%, you know, it's Google, Wedding Wire. Yeah, like Instagram search. But I rely mostly on rocking every wedding I do or at every wedding or event I do in order to get that repeat business so that way I don't have to pay for advertising. Sure. My my dad's business was like that, actually. Mostly, almost entirely referrals. He really, you know, I think when he LLC'd or incorporated, yeah. he had to take an ad in the paper. But that was it <laughs> from then on. Do you find the referrals are mostly in the weddings? When people find you on the internet, do you get some interesting stray gigs? Find that Wedding Wire or, or Google, they're price shopping. Unless they've seen me perform or re- referred to by someone that saw me perform, it's a big difference between the clients that I, that I book. But I interview the clients to be sure that the style I, the style of entertainment that I provide is the style that they're looking for. So I'm not just doing any, I can do anything that comes my way, but I have a certain brand and I want to stick to that brand and book the weddings that the bride and groom, you know, we connect in a personal and entertainment vision for the client, I guess. Yeah. If they're look, you know, if their first response is that they have a low budget, they're probably not my kind of client because- most likely entertainment's not the top of their list. So the clients I get, entertainment is the top of their list. Like I've had clients that will search for me first before they even book a venue and want to know what dates I'm available, stuff like that. So it's a big difference like with just booking anything that comes along the way 
and half-assing it or booking something that is within your brand and just crushing it. And then you get the referrals, you get the reviews, the tip, the end of the night. (laughs) (laughs) I love the tip, right? Just like you're driving home and you think, man, they gave me extra. That's great. What's the dog's name? Gigi. Gigi. You bulldog. You had said in there about your brand and people looking for budget. And that was one of the first things that stood about stood out when we started working together. You were like very aware of, I mean, how you want to present is one thing. Like we're kind of in show business, entertainment business, but you're also aware of what your brand is doing and like just generally how people are perceiving that. And um, I'm curious when you started to get hip to that. Like, do you have a marketing background or? No. No? Old school. Old school. I'm, I'm terrible at marketing. Okay. Like Instagram, Facebook, I do post, but, um, you know, like I'm not relying on it to sell me. I just put enough on there, enough content where someone stalks me out on Instagram and sees my stuff. It's enough content to get them to reach out to me. So I do post at least three or four times a month, but I, I should do more. Oh, it's the hardest part, right? Like yeah. for me getting a good video is even better than the tip. Yeah. If I can, if I get a great clip and sometimes I'll get a great clip and go back and be like, oh man, it, it doesn't sound right. A great <laughs> I can't review. use it. A great review. Better yeah. Than anything. We got one recently. I was so yeah. excited about that. I'm And I'm saving it for a post cool. probably with me and you, another uh, video or something we can get. So that's how they know the, uh, they remember the live entertainment because when I sell live musicians, the client knows what they're getting and who they're getting. When I sell live musicians, the client knows what they're getting and who they're getting. They're not just getting a drummer because they want a drummer. And then they don't know what kind of drummer they're going to get the day of their wedding. My clients get to choose the style of drummer they want. Otherwise, they're going to end up with someone that's going to like not play the way they want to play. You know what I mean? Like there's a big difference between drummers and sax players and electric violinists, they're not the same. They're all different and they're all different styles. I would add to that, um, you being very particular. And again, thank you so much for the kind words you've said about me in the past. I really appreciate, you know, (laughs) gassing me up is a good way to get me playing pretty good too. Yeah, man. But um, you are keenly aware of your music and output and brand. And if you're like, what is this guy doing? It's got to affect your show too. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I prefer to only play with certain musicians. And if they're not available, I really don't want to seek out other musicians. Well, who are some of your guys? Well, we have you. Oh, yeah. Right. Alex Blade. <laughs> Alex Blade, silver saxophone. Yeah. Michael Romeo, percussionist. Another percussionist. South Jersey, Philly native. Been playing with him for 20 years. There's a new kid down in D.C., Chris Garcia, sax player, he's up and coming. So I, I like playing with him. And the master of all crazy saxophonists is no other than uh, Saxman Art from uh, Jersey. He's wild as as any anybody. Loves the spotlight. Loves to be out in the on the floor. I love all. I mean, I, they, like I said, like I love Alex and I love Saxman Art. I could play with both of them and they both have two different styles that I enjoy playing with. So, uh, 
obviously it's a plus if I can get either one of them for, for a job. So if, if art's not available and, but again, it's up to the client. I let the ch- client choose what style sax player they want to use or what style. Oh, and Brian Fitzy, electric violin. He's my guy. So I've been playing with Fitzy for uh, Pilo over 10 years and he's amazing with, he can just be with any musician and blend right in and just kill it and shred the strings. Then I have other musicians that I look forward to working with as far as like ceremony musicians. Uh, my cousin, Sal, he's a pianist. He does, he'll do some ceremonies for me. Lisa Sebastiani from Soda Pop Strings. She could put together string quartets for me. I've met her. Yep. So they're all great and they all have their strengths in certain parts of the wedding. So, but when it comes to live fusion, I have, you know, a handful of guys that I truly love to work with. And uh, that's it. Like, I don't, you know, I could, I just wouldn't want to have to go out and try and find another musician because I just don't feel like we're not going to gel if we haven't played together. It's it's not the same. I mean, you could say you could put a DJ and a musician together, but if they've never played with each other, you know, you don't know how it's going to end up. Now, obviously, I had gotten you at the last second. And just by looking at your footage on Instagram, I felt like your sound was good. Your presentation was good. And then, you know, I just figured when I had you out with me, you know, I just kind of kept a short leash on you for the first <laughs> couple sets during the wedding. Because again, like I have a certain style and a certain presentation and I didn't know how crazy you were going to be. So, you know, the clients that hire me, they don't want crazy. They want high energy, but sophisticated fun. You know what I mean? So it's not a bar mitzvah or anything of that matter. The clients that hire me don't want the MC DJ combination. So, so with my musicians, I want to make sure that they're on the same page with how how going out how outgoing they're going to be. Like Saxman Art loves to be in the spotlight and on the dance floor, just rocking it. And I had a wedding with him <clears throat> a few months back, and the bride was like, "I don't want him off the stage." And he, you know, that's like keeping a lion trapped in a cage, but he still killed it on the stage. So, but it was just weird. Like his, you know, art wants to be out there just killing it, but he still killed it on the stage. So that's why it's important to understand your client's needs and, and vision. Cause you don't want to do something that's going to like, they're going to be like, what the fuck is he doing? You know? Yeah, absolutely. And I played with some drummers, can't mention their names. Shouldn't mention her names, but they were just like, <clears throat> this is why I only work with a handful of people because I, again, I got stuck once where I had to find a drummer at the last minute. This is years back. And, and then I get somebody that, you know, has been doing it for a long time, but like they just, we and him were just not on the right page with the style that I was looking for. And we just made it through the event. But the the crowd, what they weren't feeling them, right? And then there's like there's a occasion where, you know, I freelance with some other companies, and they'll provide musicians, and you know, like unless, again, I feel like it's not the same thing unless you 
work with that musician all the time instead of just getting thrown out to do a wedding and then a musician shows up and it's like, you know, how are you going to gel? Is he going to play the same way all night? Which a lot of them do. And that's another reason why I'm very picky. Like I want a musician that's going to change it up and not sound the same all night. So about the bride, right? Keeping the lion in the cage. Yeah. It's funny. I'm sure you've you've seen like in, in that situation, the rest of the crowd is probably all about it. But there's really only one opinion right. that matters, and that's the one that's paying you, yeah, right? Exactly. It's funny how that works. I mean, again, their vision of the party, right? It's like they're the customer. It's really it becomes an interesting thing. And then as on the musician end of it, like I've been asked to stay on the stage and all things in yeah. between. And you know, I I do go crazy. I think that's why you mentioned. I reeled you in a couple yeah. times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but in your gigs, I appreciate with you that like we're very focused on making a polished music product. Right. Where um, that's baseline for me to start. But, you know, the rest is where I've like ex been experimenting in entertainment ship. And uh, I, I get I get all that. Yeah, it, it's it becomes this interesting vibe when you're OK, we're on the stage now or like they mostly want you on the floor or one thing or another. And you're like, wait, am hmm. I making art here? And yeah, the answer is usually yes, always yes. But it's under certain constraints. Which you got to feel it out. Yeah, exactly. Know when it's right. Like if the bride were to ask me to do something. That's different. Yeah. It might take precedence, but that's uncommon because they're you're the point person. I might have some tracks I want to play that I still want you to be on the drums with. Right. And if it's something just at the time we're, we're doing like some fillers, you're cool getting out there on the djembe and rocking out. But yeah, last night you had a couple of good opportunities. It was a small crowd. Right. It was barely 50 people. And we're killing it like it's 500 people. Like, that's how we we play. Yeah. You, want, you don't always want to give it your best. It, it, just because it's 30 or 40 people, you got to kill it like it's 500 every night. So, How are you curating live? You were telling me last night, all my mixing is done live. I don't have any preset playlists. Well, no, I have. I do have sets that I have that I programmed over the years. Okay. As far as mixing the music, I don't use sync. I don't use autoplay. I use headphones, real DJing. My eyes are on the dance floor, not on my computer. So I need to be able to hear the music when I'm mixing. And then I change the sets up as new music arrives. But when I'm doing a wedding, we'll just say for weddings, I uh, customize the music based on the client's vision. So... I'm not asking the client to give me 300 songs and then I'm playing them like a jukebox. They just need to give me a handful of tracks that they love to dance to. Could be 10, could be 20. I try to cap it at 30 or 40 because again, I don't want to be staring at a piece of paper all night. And, you know, so I take these songs that they love to dance to and I incorporate sets with those songs or I'll incorporate those songs in the sets that I'm, already know I'm going to use minus anything I'm not going to play that's on their do not playlist or whatever. But so I put as much effort and time prepping for the wedding than I do like when I get there. So, so I'm more prepared. I'm not just like taking a playlist, going to the gig and then flying from the seat of my pants, playing songs randomly. For me, it's a whole flow and I want to take the clients and their guests you know, on a, on a journey th through music. 
and a good flow with energy. So you want everything to flow. You want energy to go up. You sure you're gonna have some good drops and maybe some echo outs for you know if you have to go into an alternative song or something. But I like to mix ninety five percent of the music I play. Like you heard last night, it was like three hours straight. I think I blended every single song, mm -hmm. or I had I might have had maybe one or two, you know, where I had to drop out of a song to change up the vibe or something. I wouldn't so, even have noticed. Yep. And I'll I turn didn't. to you and I'll say, oh, we're transitioning. You know, and I it, love those call outs, by yeah. the way. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, Some, when you can incorporate the musician that you're using, right? Like, yeah. And you've done that a lot. Because I can't have you train wrecking. Right. <laughs> yeah. But no, but you can also, in, you, like, you'll call, like, drums and, like, signal to do something um, just different oh, come off an acapella and have you go nuts on the drums yeah or there's a break and yep. you're like put something in it yep one one way or another yeah and whether i'm in time with what's coming next or not i it usually ends up still working right it's a really interesting principle in the way we're like perceiving stuff yeah um cool i liked a lot of your remixing last night Thanks. it was cool uh, especially the Christmas songs, I think I had said to you. Throwing Banger, some hip hop under there. Three drums. Yeah. And you like to incorporate movie clips. Videos. Videos into into your sets as well, which I think is very creative. It's eye candy. Yeah. Last night you had the um, the screen playing. There was the company logo for the party we were playing on top of that stuff. I thought it looked really great. Yeah. Visual DJing. VJing is it's been around for a long time, and I feel like in a bar setting because we were in a bar restaurant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, true. You're gonna have a percentage of the people that are dancing, and then you got a percentage of people that are just standing around drinking and and talking, but they can see that whatever's going on in the screen. So it's entertaining to them, even if they're not dancing. You're still entertaining the whole room. So we were in a bar last night. You had told me um, you've been DJing full-time for five years. You used to do some bar stuff. You've done some other things here and there. I mean, I was selling sausage for the last <laughs> nine months. I've been in sales for a little bit. How did you get started DJing? Or do you remember? Can you tell me about like your first gig? Gosh. it's kind of. Do you remember your very first gig? Dude, it was house parties in Norristown, Pennsylvania. <laughs> Hell yeah. With DJ Mike Scott, my... My homie, who we were both the 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 house DJ party rockers in Norristown back in the day, nineteen eighty nine or ninety. That's I'm showing my age now. And you know, he, I'd be. We, I remember one night we were. I was doing a house party, and he was doing a house party across the street from us. And that's how we met. I was doing a party, and he was doing a party, and he he was like, "Who's this? Who's this DJ? You know." Who's that white, you know, it's a white DJ. And I'm like, he came over and introduced himself. And it, and it was cool. We've been friends ever since. He's in Vegas now, killing it. And and house party, house party. House like, party. Like, like my parents aren't home. Right. Whoa. They all used to get broken up by the police or the houses, <laughs> the houses would just get destroyed. I'd, I remember I'd have my turntables and my mixer It'd be set up on like milk crates, a couple crates of records speakers out in the living room and we'd barricade ourselves in the kitchen because they just packed the house with kids and, and you, you protect your gear and yeah stuff. and they'd all get 
they'd all get destroyed. The houses would get destroyed. Like cops would come, you know, and, or fight would break out or something crazy. I remember one time the, when the party ended, the living room floor was like, if you look at the, the baseboard of a house, the floor was lower than the baseboard after they, they were done the party. Like they were, they caved in the floor a little bit. That seemed like, I don't know. It could have been my imagination, but it was, they were just jumping yeah. So hard. But yeah, so it started with, with the little house parties and just bedroom DJing. Like every DJ starts off in the bedroom. And then then I meet up with a friend of mine who was working for a multi-op company. Who's that? Silver Sound Entertainment. Paul Evans. Paul Evans. No, your friend, I mean, Paul yeah. Evans. Well, yeah, I, that's how I, I met, I had a friend that introduced me to Paul and Silver Sound. So I started crewing with, with him on events and learning how to play different styles of music other than hip hop and freestyle and club. So he was showing me, you know, how to be more open format and to do weddings. So he was, he was kind of, uh, you know, getting me prepared to send me out on gigs. So then when I was, I was, I spent a few, two or three years, I already knew the, the techniques and how to, to DJ, how to mix. This is still the nineties. Yeah, we're still in the early 90s. And he just helped me fine-tune some of that. And then, then he started sending me out on weddings. So I started doing weddings. High school, as as I started to grow, I started buying more more gear, started doing high school events. And I worked with him for 20 years. You know, and, you know, I, I can't say the best thing that ever happened was me leaving a multi-op company to work for myself. I just got burned out. Like, by 2010, I was just, like, you you... You come to a point where you plateau and there's something wrong. I was doing the same, you know, kind of gigs and I just felt like I couldn't just open my wings and start something new. So I, I said, I got to stop. I stopped doing weddings basically for two years and got back into nightlife stuff, which was a huge pay cut. <laughs> they don't pay bar club DJs. I mean, I mean, maybe, you know, maybe the higher end stuff in Atlantic City and, Vegas and stuff, obviously, but you know, just a small guy here in Philly and Delaware. Well, because the misconception, I mean, yeah. among non music people, non DJs, right? Like, is you're yeah. just playing records, yeah, right? So it's it's a powerful misconception, yeah. And and he, please go on. So two years, I did a lot of that, and then I and then I, you know, people in in the clubs or the bars are like, I, I want you to do my wedding. And I'm like, I don't do weddings anymore, you know. And they're like, I remember this one guy. Chris, I did end up doing his wedding. He used to come see me. I played at a at a club in Westchester a few times called the Mezzanine. And he saw me there and then he came back the next time I was playing. And he was a big dude, like works out in the gym. He's like, you're going to do my wedding. I'm like, I don't do weddings anymore. He goes, you're going to do my wedding. I'm like, all right, I'm doing your wedding. <laughs> so he was the first wedding I did after that two year of not doing any weddings. Crushed it. it. Was at the Bellevue Hotel, and uh, and then I just kind of jumped back into it low by low. I didn't realize how saturated the market was, being gone for two years. In fact, I didn't really know how saturated it was before because I was being booked by another DJ company, Silver Sound. So you don't really look outside of the box until you start working for yourself, and then you realize there's like thousands of DJs and DJ companies out there now. How do I separate myself? So I first few years. Actually, when I started, let me rewind. When I got back into doing weddings, BVT, Brandywine Valley Talent reached out to me 
So I started freelancing with them a little bit. And it was cool because yeah, they're a boutique wedding company and the difference between them and a lot of other multi-ops is like they pay their, they're going to pay their artists or musicians or DJs what you want to get paid. And then they worry about what they're going to get make on the top after that. But anyway, like, so it was cool. I respected that. Like, you know, I was able to make my own price and then they would, and I'd work with them on it. I still do some freelancing with them, but I'd say like 70% of my work now is definitely booked on my, my own. And that's when I started to build my brand and said to myself, like, this is the style wedding I want to do. And, you know, no cheese, no line dance. I mean, I, there's a few weddings here and there that they want you to play to wobble or Cuba shell, but I don't come out. I don't go to a gig and rely on those songs and start sets with that. That's whack. Like you got to mix into it, earn the respect, get them to dance first and then play those tracks. But, but anyway, like my style is more nightclub flared, a lot of energy, little talk on the microphone. Like I feel like I don't need to re like to get out there and dance around like a nut because that's not what my clients are looking for. And I tell them that right off the bat. Like there's different, just like with musicians, there's different style DJs and entertainers and there's different style musicians. You got to choose one that's going to best suit your vision. If you're budget shopping, you don't know what you're, you're just shopping for price and you don't know. Yeah, the DJ can come and do a good job, but I think you're just rolling the dice. But if you really know what you're getting and they, and you talk to the DJ and he's talking to you and you're talking about the styles and you guys, the personalities are clicking and they love your style and you love the style that they're looking for, then it's going to be a much better wedding or even a high school event or a corporate party. What was your full-time job? When I was with Silver Sound for most of those 20 years, I had full-time job. And that was hard. I was doing like two, three weddings a weekend and then working 30, 40 hours a week. Man, back in the days, first I was a bus driver, then I was a copier, fax repairman, and then... I love that. I love that too, though. Like yeah. a, a lot of people in this industry are doing two I things. I didn't go to college, so it, I came right out of the bedroom and I knew DJing was going to be my thing. You knew it? Yeah. From the time I touched a set of turntables when I was like 15... I knew that's the that's what I wanted to do. From the time I touched a set of turntables when I was like 15, I knew DJing was going to be my thing. Huh. It's like but you know it, the thing is y when you first start, you're scared to quit that day job. That money that comes in every week is security. And in around 2015, 2016, I said I couldn't do it anymore. Like even if I was, I was working as a driving school instructor for 10 years and, I, but I was only working like 10, 20 hours a week. And even that was too much because I wanted to focus on my, my business and my clients. And I feel like <clears throat> full-time DJing gave me the opportunity to focus more on my clients and do one or two weddings a weekend in the peak season. I'm happy to do one higher end one, but like, I just can't do three 
Yeah, I'm getting too old for that. Like, <laughs> I, 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 you know, during the peak season, I'll have a couple weekends where I'll do triples. But it takes me like two days to recover. Because yeah. these are big triples. They're like where I'm using trussing, moving heads, sparklers, uplighting. So it's a lot of work. And I do 90% of it on my own. And every now and then I'll have a guy to come help me. But, but yeah, like the part-time job, I just had to quit because I just wanted to focus on my clients. And it's a lot less stressful. And it's like, I don't have to, you know, I could do what I want whenever I want, go wherever I want, not have to tell the boss I need a week off, you know? So yeah, like when you're, when you're first starting out and you're part-time DJ and you're full-time working another job, I'm not going to, I can't say that you're, that's, you know, that a part-time DJ isn't as good as a full-time DJ. I mean, like, all I can say is that you're going to get more focus and more attention from the full-time DJ than you would from a part-time DJ who's working at a day job. And I know that because I was a part-time DJ and full-time worker, so I know how it is. Again, the client has to interview the DJ and read their reviews and, you know, know which guy is going to be right for them and that's going to fit around their budget. <laughs> right, right. Is that, um, I have a, a question about that, actually. So the talking to clients, uh, you mentioned a little bit about that. We were talking last night. You can answer emails right away, and you love being able to do that. Yeah. I, I get it, the excitement of your thing, and, like, you know, they're coming for your work. It's it's great. What is, what's your day or week like you know, Monday through Friday. I mean, obviously on the weekends we're, we're doing a party or two, which like, yeah. Yeah. What's your week like with, uh, as a full-time DJ? We wake up in the morning. So my girlfriend, Lisa, she, she's in the wedding industry as well. She runs a venue, but it's a seasonal venue. So she's, we're kind of the same. Like we wake up in the morning, you know, we feed the dogs, have coffee, talk about what our day is going to be like. And then she'll jump on her computer. She'll answer her emails, go do tours of the venue. And I do the same thing. I'm answering emails, setting up calls with clients, prepping music, which is almost a daily thing to stay fresh. Sometimes I go a few days without touching my computer and it's kind of weird. Prepping music like you described before? Yeah, just like always trying to stay on top of new music and freshen up my sets, you know, because like, so the winters are weird because they're slower. It's slower. You're not doing two weddings a week. But during the peak season, you're prepping for, let's say, you know, months of October, I got 12 weddings. So the week is very busy because I'm, I'm on the phone with the clients with their final consultation before the wedding. I'm prepping their music, printing out all the information, writing up the bridal party info coordinating with other vendors that are working like the videographers or maybe they have a day planner or something going over timelines but then at the same time booking weddings and getting leads coming in so it becomes a full-time thing it could you know it could soak up a lot of your day and your week but then you got the slow months where you could do whatever like january february march it slows down which is fine by me because i don't mind the break then we We'll drive to Colorado for a month. And that's the nice thing about being your own boss. 
we do whatever we want. But I could still take it remotely and still book weddings, do calls while I'm sitting slopeside, you know, at a ski mount or resort. So, or in Cancun. But we try not to bring our work with us when we go to vacation, vacation. I was going to ask, do you ever, do you, do you, you stay practicing, which is so cool to hear. Like you said, you run, you run sets. You, you work Yeah, I'll go sets. through, I have my computer and I'll, you know, I could just open up my software and as I download new music, I could figure out how I would incorporate those songs into other sets or sets that I have. But not when you're in Colorado? Well, yeah. I mean, Colorado, yes, I still do a lot of that stuff. We just went to Cancun for a few days and I did bring my computer with me, but I didn't touch it. But it's it's hard, yeah. Because like, I I'm my my girl like wants to kill me sometimes because I'm constantly checking my phone and for emails and just obsessed with just responding back to clients as fast as I can. Where she's she's good at just letting letting work pile up and she'll catch up to it when she gets back. I I don't know. I just had this this fear that the money's not going to come. You know, or like I I'm still not confident of my my marketing ability, but the work, a smart man once said, Brian Fitzy said, trust the process. You know, like if you have a slow month, you know, like if you're looking into 2023, I remember, um, just a few months ago, I was like, man, I, my October is like really slow. And he's like, trust the process, you know? And, uh, and now it's filled, almost filled up. I think I have one date after book, which I'm fine. I get a few, leads a week um and that's fine like because i know those are quality leads the wedding wire i, I do get a couple wedding wire leads that'll book but i feel like if they found me on wedding wire they it, it, i just find that they're just a lot of times they're just shopping because hmm. there's so many out there but but once you talk to them, you really understand because it's a planning a wedding is a daunting task. Like they, some brides and grooms don't know where to start, so that's a great forum. Wedding wire or not, start there. Just got to read. It's got to. I tell them too. I said whether they book me or someone else, I try to educate them as much as I can on you know you know how they should go about looking for a DJ and entertainment and. And I tell you, if I'm not right, like, I'm not going to be offended. I want you to be happy and book the entertainment that is suited best for you. And, but I could tell them what to look for. And, you know, as I say, like, if they're, if they're, if their reviews are great, their price is, you know, right. And they could, perf- you know, have the similar setup as I do or whatever, but their style is a little different. That's good. Go, go with them. That's the way you want to do it. I'm never going to like try and talk a client into booking with me like if i feel like if they're not excited to book me i'm not why would i be excited to do their wedding the hell yes principle no 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 <laughs> it's like the hell yes principle it's i've heard it applied to dating you know if you're not like hell yes i want to go see this person yeah then you probably shouldn't and if you don't feel that they have the same sentiment you probably shouldn't right you know it yeah You were telling me how you got started. I love the house party thing. 
there's crazy. And there's a video on the internet. You may have seen it where um, one of these wild house parties, they're jumping. The living room floor actually cave. does cave in. Oh, I think man. a bunch of kids got hurt. But, nice. you know, greatest party ever. Yeah. <laughs> and then you were saying, uh, you had told me this story about Romeo, your percussionist, who you've worked with for a very long time. Yeah. And who I'd love to meet, like, any day. Like, Yeah, uh, we'll get you guys together one day. He, uh... Uh, we've been doing fusion before it was even called live fusion like with the drummer dj thing i mean it's been you know pe- people just didn't get it back in the late 90s early 2000s but i don't know i was i was doing a, a bar gig in maniunk sapphire lounge i think it was called really tiny is it still there no i mean it's the, it's there but it's not it's something else now i think it's probably another bar but it's probably been, it's been bought out a few times since uh, I don't know if I was supposed to, if I was, if I didn't even know that he was coming to do anything. <laughs> I, I was just, just going in there to DJ. I was covering for another DJ, Mo Rock, Marcel. This guy, he was, this is another, another cool DJ I worked with over the years. So it was his gig and I was covering it. And I, I don't even know how Mo Rock and Michael got connected. I think it might have been between Michael and, and the bar owner Michael used to do a lot of stuff at the Borgata. He actually did some fusion shit with Fitzy back in the day. They would both be on the stage at one of the clubs in Borgata. You know, Mike would be on his djembe and Fitzy would be on his uh, electric violin. Before you knew him, yeah, I think oh, wow. either either ref- like right around the same time. I think maybe I don't know. Mike would have to like backtrack track the dates for me. I, I I can't remember. But so I'm DJing in this little spot. A really cool little, little bar lounge and here he comes with this drum wrapped around his you know chest and i'm like the fuck and he goes first he like introduces himself he gives me this crazy handshake and uh all right, that's all right you and, remember uh, the handshake yeah it was, it was i i can't <laughs> do it i can't do it on radio okay. <laughs> so uh he goes you have a wireless mic and i'm like yeah i'm like, I'm like and he goes let me ha- let me borrow it he takes my mic sticks it in his pants like in the front of his pants and he's got his djembe like right this is before we could afford you know wireless lapels that you could put on the djembe and he's and i, I give him a little volume he just starts like not just going ham on the in the room with his djembe and uh he called it gorilla style where he just shows up to a bar or a club with his djembe and just starts rocking out like and then either gets thrown out or he just stayed they, they'll keep yeah in there. or paid and asked to come yeah. back yeah but he was i think he was getting paid that night i'm pretty sure but then the following week i was covering again and he actually brought his drum kit in it wasn't as big as what he has now but i think and again, Michael could probably, if you ever interview him, he he could probably shed more light on it. This is such it was a long time ago, but um, and then he he started playing. And I was like, whoa, man, this is this is dope. Like it was great, it, you know. I never did that before. It was pretty awesome. And then I just started like booking jobs with him, you know. Like I would start telling clients, like, hey, you know, you ever see a drummer and a DJ perform? And you know, and then I took him out to some high school events. So I took money out of my own pocket to pay him because I couldn't sell it at the time. Like people were just like, what are you talking about? Like, so I had to like, you know, present it some way or another. 
That's wild. You really believe in this. Thank you so much. Yeah. So I, you know, I'd pay him out of my own pocket and I was working for a multi-op company at the time, Silver's Down. And so I'm not, I'm making enough to pay me, <clears throat> but I went away out of my way and, you know, paid him some money. Yeah. So like, and that was that. And then from then I just started, you know, when I started, when I got, so, okay. So I was doing the nightclub after I quit doing weddings I started incorporating him with nightclub work with me. Well, he was already doing shit with Brigada and Fitzy. And I think this is 2010. What is Brigada? At the nightclub in the uh, the hotel resort in Atlantic City. Okay. Brigada. Sorry. Uh, no, I, that's kind of what I thought. I just was making it's sure. It's still there. Yeah. Murmur, I think it might have been the club inside the Brigada where... So they were. He was doing a lot of work in there, and um, playing so, drums with DJ. Yeah. Okay. And we, and and I remember seeing photos and video of him and Fitzy. I was like, damn, these guys are wild out, man. So I'm 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 doing my thing here in Philly, Delaware, and uh, I, I get a few of the bar owners to pay him to come out and do some stuff. So we did some of that. I I booked him on a bunch of like co- like college stuff, some proms. I I got him in on. He did a ton of proms with me kids loved them like you know we would i'd be doing a prom for like five six hundred kids at the crystal tea room we're on the stage crystal tea room in philly and mike is just his style of drumming is just all out freestyle just crazy and um he's just like wild like that and i have to reel him in many a times but like the kids can loved him when he jumped out and i remember this, i had this one video we're just like we're just shredding the room. He get he gets his jambe on. He's playing, and as the song, it was an EDM song or whatever. As the song dropped into the hype of the song, strobe lights are going crazy. He leaps off the stage, lands, and just starts just pounding away on his drum. And the kids just were just going bananas. And we had it all on video, and it was it was nuts. And um, Romeo is like the kind of drummer where. You know, you see him playing on a stage with his drums, and you're out there dancing. And before you know it, you turn around and he's right behind you <laughs> on his djembe. That's what's so crazy about him, right? Like he just he knows like when to get out there and and just go go nuts. Yeah. So he so I started. He said that's where we started with that, and then getting together with BVT because it's a Brandywine Valley Talent was an agency that booked bands and Kurt the owner reached out to me and he's like yeah I want you to do some work with us I want you to book you on some I want you want you to start our DJ program so I helped them get that together and they were really BBT was really good at putting together live music with DJs or just ensembles in general like putting jazz groups together quartets because they sell bands they really understood you know how they could sell musicians and then adding the dj into the live fusion and make creating a live fusion thing really like made them stand out and what's nice about them is that i could still do whatever i want to do and then when they have a job and they want to book me on they'll reach out to me and of course just like with any wedding even though they're interviewing the client, I'm interviewing them about like, all right, what's this client all about? What they, you know, like making sure that they're still. You still work with them, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. I don't do as many jobs with them anymore, okay. just because I feel more comfortable knowing my clients 
right first but there's some trading of business and like yeah like we uh kind of sub for each other and fill in and yeah okay cool it's a good relationship and and when i'm booked on on a a date and they reach out to me or if if a client reaches out to me and i'm i'm already booked i tell them you know reach out to paul or nils from gbt and they can help you out or i'll have uh, other djs that are in my i have a small i have a small handful of guys that I refer work to because they have this similar style and presentation as I do. But yeah, so that the whole fusion thing really kind of that with with BBT that really launched the uh, the whole passion for for doing live fusion, and I really love it. I love playing with musicians, and um, I think it's a whole another level of entertainment. It's the best of both worlds. Especially when you incorporate a sax, drummer, electric violinist, and you know the parents of the bride and groom, they may want a band, but now they're getting both kind of in a way. And the and then you still have guests that like never seen that before, and they're blown away. So if you have the right ensemble and the you know and the if the electric violinist and the sax player, you know, are going back and forth and like, like Fitzy and and Saxman Art play played with each other a lot. Like they're just up there watching each other and Fitzy would shred a chorus and then Art would jump in on, a, on another part of the song. It wasn't like they were clashing at all. Like they just it was a perfect storm of entertainers. And the the crowd just like sucked it up. They would jump down on the dance floor and just start rocking away and and then Romeo would catch up on his djembe. <laughs> and now all three of them are out there like just like just going bananas with with the the guests. So, you know, and then again like I like to choose the musicians that are going to suit the bride's vision. That's why I give them choices. So Frank, I mean, Frank and Romeo, you and you guys are both amazing uh with how you play and the style you play, but I want my clients to choose you know because you both are extremely talented and have the experience so so now they're gonna listen and say you know which which one do i like better which one's gonna suit my video which one will my guests enjoy more Well, you were saying your turntables yeah. out there were very expensive, right? Yeah, back in the day. Yeah. But so you're spending all your money on music, and then the gear you're buying, you have to repair it. You can't just throw it away and buy something new. You're you're barely making ends meet because you're spending so much on music. Now today, music's nothing. It's like cheap, thirty bucks a month. You could download unlimited. But you know. And then any the equipment you could you could I say to new guys today, uh, spend the money, buy it once, mm-hmm. and then you're not replacing it for five or ten years or more. That's another thing about integrity. I see like people hiring, and, and again, other DJs will say, "Oh, it doesn't matter what kind of gear they have. Uh, it's, of course, it just matters how, you know how well they play music." But have some integrity. I don't show up with a three hundred dollar toy DJ controller. You know, and a little laptop wires hanging all over the place. Well, I have some fucking integrity for the game. I Look think professional. I think that's what you like about uh, about me, actually. 
you don't know it. I'm I'm not very good. My drums sound really good. <laughs> yeah, shit. You wouldn't be standing here right now. <laughs> it's, it's uh, yeah, quality stuff. I'm I'm sure those less expensive controllers don't sound as well. They don't sound as good. They don't feel as good, right? They're right. less inspiring to play. People come up and like so, you know, when they can see your setup and see your gear. You know, I get more compliments. I have CDJs and an S9, or if, back in the day, I'd come out with turntables. And guys that still work with turntables, they know you're going to get more people being like, wow, that's some real shit right there. You know, and I could suck. They would still be like, that's a great looking setup, but I don't suck. And, <laughs> you know, and, you know, and I want to use good, great gear. Absolutely. You, you know, with your eyes first. Right. You used to say it in marching band all the time. But in the end, when a client walks in the room, your presentation better blend in with the decor because they're spending thousands of dollars. And, you know, it'll, you don't want to stick out like a sore thumb, be in all the bride's photos. You know, even with high school events, like if I'm playing in the cafeteria, it's still going to be a clean setup. So, uh, but you get that experience along the way. Younger guys today are just, you know, they're learning from like if you're learning from a garbage DJ or DJ company, you're gonna do the same shit. Garbage in, garbage out. Yeah, the sound guys say it. Right. Yeah. But then you learn. You know, then you either take a different path and figure it out. Like, but it's all about how much you give a shit. Like some are just collecting the money, doing the gig, and then that's it. Like for me, it's more than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's more than you know just collecting a check it's a passion it's i love doing it you know i put all my heart and soul and sweat into it and yeah i make good money but like it's not about the money like in the you know like when you first start out you're like wow you know like i'm doing yeah. house parties for 50 fucking dollars and you think it's the greatest yeah. thing ever right and that in 1990 <laughs> The um, the language you use in Gartano is is painting a picture really of an artist to me. You have you have a discriminating uh, point of view, and like and you because you are meticulous because you have your things you you're you've clearly been down the rabbit holes that you need to to be yeah. successful at this right. Like you've done your research and you've got like you know you've got your own take on how it gets done and and it's uh, i'm yeah. i'm really getting an artist here so it's it's great that's and that's probably why you're so easy to play with from my end it, the funny thing is i only have 1300 followers on instagram <laughs> and uh and, and i don't I, you know and there are 1300 real followers you know i'm just a wedding dj philly wedding dj and you know again like i'm not it's 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 called referrals. And you love this rebooking. Though. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I was telling you last night. I was like, oh yeah, I wish I could have someone work my Instagram or, you know. Right. I get that you are probably more introverted in general. Would you say that's correct? No, no. I mean, I'm a people person. Okay. Like my my girls always like. Don't talk to anybody, you know, because like, oh, we'll go to a bar and I'll start chatting with the guy next to me or something, you know, about whatever's going on on TV. And she's like, you know, she's more of like want her own space. So when we're out, you know, I'm a little more outgoing in public. But like when I'm doing events, I'm, yeah, maybe more introverted. Okay. 
Right. Well, like you said, stand out by blending in. I think that's a great. Yeah. That's a great like sort of mantra for the this this industry, this particular right. thing we do. But some people. And I tell brides that all the time, not to take anything away from the DJ MC combination thing. Some brides want that, some brides don't. And the clients that I want to book are the ones that want the brand that I have. And I tell them right off the bat, I was like, if if you, yeah, I'm gonna tell them like, I don't go out there with the microphone. I don't lead line dances. I'm not gonna talk a, a lot on the microphone. I'm gonna do everything. And then they understand that from the go. And I think sometimes if they don't interview their dj and they get that clown that's out there hamming it up on the mic they could be like uh embarrassed like or you know that's not what they want hmm. but there's again some 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 clients want that interaction but it's just whatever style of entertainment you choose let's um let's pause for a sec station identification no, yeah, I kind of want to get like I kind of want to describe the setting and call some things out, or or stop me if you don't want me to talk My, about your Lisa house. Lisa decorates the whole house. The house is beautiful. I'm looking at you. Behind you is this gorgeous cabinetry with perfect black paint, and this CD wall. Yeah, <laughs> we're kind of in your man in the back room of your man cave, right? Where, as we mentioned before, well, like uh, you have this real sick turn turntable setup. Yeah. I wouldn't call it a man cave because you know, Lisa, she, you know, she, it was her, all her design idea. The AV part of the basement is, was obviously my design, but naturally, but, um, I mean, dude, that, that bar, she cut that bar out like to make it look like a live edge in the front. So, I mean, she, yeah, she, she's amazing. You said she is involved at the farm where I uh, you were so gracious to let me stay. Yeah, she. Uh, so she's the, the the event planner, the sales person. Okay. Does she do design for that well, for that tent? Like, she helps the clients out a lot, but she doesn't get paid to uh, do day of coordinating. But she does like set up a lot of stuff in the tent and make things look look great with what she has and what the client gives her. But. Uh, we she's thrown so many parties there as well like for you know for family and stuff and she like when we do parties here like it's it's insane like if you come you know in december for our holiday party you would think you're you would think you're at a venue she like, loves to decorate yeah yeah now this turntable setup you have here mm -hmm. you were telling me a little bit about it before is it functioning? You, you yeah, called yeah. it furniture, but oh well, the, the can you mix, that's built into it. Can is, you run a set from yeah, that yeah. there? Yeah, and do you? Yeah, well, when we had parties, and when I get bored, I could run all vinyl, or I could plug my laptop in. My personal interest is that uh, I just picked up a record player. It was my father's. It was given to him, mm -hmm. and uh, and a bunch of old records. I've been playing records for the last week at my house, and it's just really been delightful. But the history, the the physical copy, like the whole vinyl thing is, you know. That's the best part of record shopping back in the day. It, the the art and holding it in yeah. your hands. Look yeah. The artwork and reading the cover. Yeah, the long the descriptions. Covers, so. Like, yeah. So that house party you described at the beginning of this, mm -hmm. uh, that was records. Yeah. So you've run the gamut. Yeah, I've been there from. Because DJing started on records. I had an eight-track recorder in my basement years ago. 
Okay. Before I bought a Tascam or like a good recorder. Because you could record on tape and then you could record on like an 8-track recorder. But most people just bought a tape deck and you'd record your mixes from if you're making a mix with vinyl records. And that was a big thing too back in those days. You'd sell your mixtapes to people in the neighborhood. You'd make like a 60-minute mix, sell it for 10 bucks or whatever. Now they have like all these awesome songs on a on a mix oh cool well i mean that's so that speaks to like just the accessibility yeah. of music now we just post mixes and people get to listen to from for free right <laughs> or based on likes you know or but uh yeah that's how you got around back then like you'd carry mixtapes in your pocket tell people you, you be, being a dj meant something back then like you know now because every, anyone could be a dj because the technology is so easy it's not it's not a it's not as prestigious as you as, as i think anymore like you know when you're back in those days when you played vinyl or you know you had to buy music you wanted to be the first person to play a track that no one heard yet that becomes a hit months later now there's so much crap out there you know it's all like TikTok and you know YouTube hits, but yeah, like that was what DJing was about back then. Being you know, being the guy that presented new music. Now there's the new music is out there. It's in, it's all over the place. It's being forced on you. Yeah. yeah. So so how long <laughs> did you play? How long were you playing with records? We were uh, talking a little bit of the evolution. Probably mid till mid nineties, and then. CDs started coming out, I think, prior to like a little bit sooner than that, but it was so expensive. And then at the time, you had to buy to like, the mid 90s. You didn't ever get into tapes? Well, yeah, you know, I had cassette tapes for my car and I'd make mixtapes, but I never played DJ sets with tapes. That wasn't a thing? No. Okay. Uh, that, that's like, that would be like a DJ playing, playing a Spotify list. Okay. So, all right, we did sometimes in the early ages would have some other tracks on tape, like slow songs or dinner, you know, because like it's a lot to carry all these records in. So if you know you're only going to play one or two slow slow jams at a, a house party, I could play it off of a tape deck. It's not going to sound as good, but that's as far as it went. Like I didn't sit there and try and mix a tape from once, like a dual to cassette tape and try and play a song from one to another it was still all vinyl and then when it came to cds we'd buy the cds and then cd recorders became a thing they were hell of expensive back then like a good when they first started coming out and you're able to like record music onto a cd player onto a cd blank cd those players were like 900 or a thousand dollars and, and you would do that to keep your mixes like no so i would like comp i would make compilations oh okay you know I, you know like i would say like i would want to make uh a disc that had like maybe a bunch of club bangers on it and then so instead of having 20 cds i have one or i'll make two copies of it so that way just like when back in the day when you played on vinyl a lot of times you'd buy two of the same record because you'd want to play the instrumental and then mix into the vocal of the song 
because some of these songs didn't have like now you have remixers and producers that are creating redrums they're taking a song that doesn't have much of an intro and they're putting a 16 or 32 beat intro and outro in it so you can mix well back in the day we had to create that Mm -hmm. live so we'd play the instrumental which came on the record a lot of times on a 12 inch so you'd have uh you know you're you're playing your one hip-hop record or whatever and then you have two records ready to go one's on the on your turntable instrumental you're mixing out into an instrumental boom you're taking the other record off popping the the same track on but with the vocals and then you're scratching it in or you start to blend it in and then that's your that's your intro and your outro huh it was work <laughs> but but that was real djing so when you get into yeah it's then you're getting into cds and yeah you're able to carry more music and your library gets bigger and now it's all on cd and you have hundreds of cds and that cds were as expensive or more yeah, expensive? Yeah, like, you're paying like $20 for, like if you couldn't find a single and you had to buy the whole album, mm. you're broke that week because you'd have to spend <laughs> like 20 or $24 at Sam Goody or Tower Record to get the whole album and you only wanted one song on the album, you know? And, uh, yeah, and then they you, you'd get lucky and you could find some CD singles you know, but uh, I knew a lot of DJs that Mike Scott, for instance, man, he was like the last one on our last DJ I know that went, that left his vinyl and went to the computer. It took him forever because he just had that integrity of with vinyl. And, hmm. But yeah, so then, then obviously, then the age of MP3 comes out, right? Now we're like, I got to record all my music, all my CDs. I got to convert to MP3. And back then it was like 128 kilobytes sound. Now it's like three something, like way high quality. So I still have like over 50,000 music, uh, 50,000 songs in my hard drive or more. And then I could tell like which ones were that came off my CDs because the quality isn't, isn't that good. But, but I spent hours trans you know taking all my music and converting it to mp3 and then the software came out the dj software came out and then we're able to uh basically i would take the sets i used to do on cd and it's kind of cop like make crates in my dj software so i'd had vinyl records had some rare vinyl records that i you couldn't find and i'd record those on the mp3 but now you know you just get record pulls. Then video DJing came around. Record pulls is like uh, you buy a bank of songs, right? Yeah, you go, like there's some companies, there's some record pulls online that do like unlimited downloads. There's like different style record pulls that are more like maybe nightclub driven bangers and redrums. Pulls. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. I I thought you were saying pulls, which would also make sense because like to me, records in a crate, Yeah. you're pulling them. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, sorry about that. So, you know, just like when you were getting CDs back in the day, you would, you would, if you're a wedding DJ, you'd get like BPM or promo only or uh, TM Studios, like, and they would send you a disc every week with a lot of stuff that you'll never play and then a few hits. And then you had to be creative with that. 
you like to book musicians, but I mean, if you were booking as when you book as your own DJ setup, you are a one man show in that you you're running, you're you're DJing. Oh, yeah, yeah. You've got your screen, which you run videos through. Right. And, uh, I mean, you're Lighting, probably, video. Yeah, you do the lighting as well. And, and you do a very good job with the light show, which is not, yeah. like, a simple task. So the difference between, like, I, I'm not a control freak. I guess you could say I am. <laughs> Everything's right at my fingertips. I'm mixing out of a song or whatever, or peak part of a song comes in. I know when to put on a certain program or a certain scene. Yeah, you you do a great job yeah. at accentuating the hits, so, the the big the big points. That's because I'm prepared too. Like I prepare so much prior to the gig musically that it gives me you know that opportunity to be able to work the lights and change, you know, and then I I can change up you know the formality of the music as needed. But yeah, I I run the lights. I'll run the sparklers. Everything's right at my fingertips. Some people are like, "Whoa, it's crazy! How can you do that and w concentrate on, you know, and focus on your music?" It's because I put a lot of time and energy into prepping before the event. But yeah, like, it's I love mixing videos, man. It's a whole nother level of, and I've been doing it. Let me tell you the story about video mixing. <laughs> So back in the day when we were at Silver Sound, we started doing high school events. We would take, we had this guy from like Channel 12 in Philly. He'd bring out video screens and we'd provide him with like VHS tapes from like MTV or you, would, you could buy the music videos on tape. So we couldn't really mix them, but we could have the audio we could be mixing the audio and playing the video on the screen. It might not have been in sync. Mm. Some videos we'd be able to just drop it in and play. It. So it went from that to DVDs, and then you had, had a lot of money to buy DVDs. It was just too expensive. But then around 2006, I think, Serato came out with Serato Video. And that was like, oh, oh. that was like game changer. And all of a sudden, these record pools popped up where you could buy music videos. It was expensive, but not as expensive as buying a DVD. That's when it all changed. So I started getting on these record, these video record pools and buying videos and then playing off a of Serato. <clears throat> In this setting, a party setting, it just does really do a good job when you do a good job with it, like right. you do, of giving life to it. Yeah, it's definitely a visual experience. The wedding you're doing with me in January, we're doing TVs for that one. Cool. Yeah, you said so, that's going to be a big one, right? Yeah. Cool. And then, you know, it's like, it's an expensive add-on. And then, again, the same thing with the client. They have to figure out what's, you know, what they, what style and what presentation they want for the wedding. Some people want it. Some people, you know, oh, it's just too much. But, but um, once the dance floor opens, I'm playing probably 90% music videos on the screen as cool. long as they're appropriate. And you see, you know, you see the older folks, like when they see like September, Earth, Wind and Fire on the screen, they like, they're pointing at the screen like, oh shit, you know? Like, yeah. You know, they're like, oh, do you remember? Yeah. Yeah. September. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. 21st day. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, they, so it's, it's like, you know, it's, it's a cool feeling for them to see all that. Yeah. And they're dancing and they're, they're having a ball. And again, it's not taking, I'm not trying to take the focus away from 
it's just another level of entertainment. presentation yes yeah. it's beautiful so visual so um we have hopefully we get this booking in a couple of weeks and at, back at the same place we were last night yeah he'll, he'll catch up to us and uh, then we're playing again in january i think we have several gigs booked in yeah, in 2023 right. and even out through 2024 which i'm really excited about yeah you have could tell me about your goals as a dj entertain in the entertainment business well you know i could go as long as my body can handle it and um i feel like you know there's a misconception about old djs like I don't feel like I look old or feel old. I, you don't my look body old. Feel old, but like you look, you look about thirty-five. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah, I feel like <clears throat> you know, if I can get out of bed and lift up my equipment, I can get you know, I can do it for another ten years or more if I could. <clears throat> but the whole saying is, that's my goal, really. Like, I, if I can get ten more, like five more years of this high level of entertainment then another five years after that and if i could keep going i'm good like you know like there's these facebook groups man they like they bash the older djs and <laughs> and i know some of them probably don't know how old i am they do now maybe but <clears throat> you know i say you know you don't stop djing when you get old you get old when you stop djing and that's my little philosophy on that. And, and like, it's something you love and do. I mean, like Tiesto's in his 50s. Carl Cox is approaching six. They're still rocking festivals. You got to do what you love. And then, you know, you'll never work again, as they say. Right. But yeah, I don't, I, me and my girl, we, we talk about like, yeah, you know, when we retire, we'll, We'll be we'll work the Phillies games and the and this the concert stadiums where we're like the usher help people get to their seats. Yeah, we'll do stuff like that, and uh, we'll just continue going to Winter Park, Colorado, and ski. I'm I'm just gonna just do it as long as I can. I know I I feel feel weird sometimes because like if, sometimes I feel like ah, I'm a little too old to do this, but like once I start DJing, it's like you forget and you know yeah music has, has changed and you got to just keep up with it you know and then choose the style of gigs that are going to suit you you know what i mean like you know international weddings with different st styles of music and yeah i have to i'm comfortable with it but like i have to prep harder because it's not something i do every day like back in the day when i was doing clubs i was doing like latin parties i was playing like a lot of reggaeton and you speak any Spanish, guy? No. Okay, but uh, you do speak Italian. Nah. <laughs> you use it. You lose. You know. Yeah, but the uh, you know I would do some Latin events. You know where I'm playing some salsa, merengue, or and then some hip hop tracks. But like, I could still do Latin Latin parties or mix weddings, whether it's you know Indian, American, American, Latin. Um, you just have to prep a little more. But, but I think that's what you're saying. It's like you're putting the work in. You are. Yeah. You're still expanding your your portfolio, but you understand what you can. You understand your limitations, and that's, that's yeah. Yeah. Cool, man. You're doing it because you love it. Yeah. That's the goal is to keep doing it because you love it. Yeah. That's what keeps me alive, I guess. Yeah. It keeps me young. That's incredible because in my own journey – I know I love this stuff. I've done other things, and I've thought, I wonder if I love these other things. And I keep coming back to this, and here we are now. But um, 
you found it it, feel, it feels like what's that this this is it you love it yeah oh yeah just I mean, just reconfirming just hard, reconfirming it's hard to i i, I can't stand, stand like the whole sales part of it and i can't stand like i, I just like i it, again because it's just i'm not a marketing genius mm-hmm. so i have, my performance has to be on has to be you know on point product sells itself yeah so but for me like when we're talking about like being that caged lion like that's how i feel during cocktail hour and during dinner at these events like i just can't wait to just start rocking the dance floor like the rest is just it's just you know part of the part of the deal but like you know i don't want to stand around you know there's djs we can mix during dinner and stuff it just depends on the vibe like again it's you know every wedding it's gonna have a different flow different vibe you can there's some weddings where you're playing sets in between dinner sets or whatever that's great i prefer to just have two hours of uninterrupted rocking out like philly style we call yeah (laughs) i don't know what i don't know uh, north jersey new york shit is you know you're up you're down you're up yeah yeah yeah. and it is exhausting but like i I mean i could do it i have many little sets i I could play in between but i give the client that choice if they want to dance in between courses that's an option i'm not going to do it because that's all i know i want my guests to feel comfortable to dance i don't want to pressure them so sometimes those style of of weddings i think guests might feel pressure to dance versus where you're just building a flow and you're, you're getting it get them then into it i don't feel adults need that i don't think you know i think they just want to dance and have a good time i don't think they need someone to encourage them to dance like it's your job as a dj to provide that flow and that energy to get them to feel comfortable to dance otherwise i feel like it's generic mm-hmm. Again, that's what I make clear to my clients, like what they're getting and what they can, what's out there that they can get. Last couple of questions. Is there anything else you would want to impart on some clients that you don't normally get to say during, you know, phone calls or meetings? Yeah, man, just interview your DJ. Like get to know them, their style, look at their Instagram, look at their reviews. You could, I mean, like... I don't have a thousand reviews. I'm only a single op. But if you read, if they read my reviews, like they're they're not just one line reviews. Like, hey, it's great book, Gaetano. Like they talk about their experience with me and the, my technique and the style. Like they understand like I my passion, how I how I kept the night and the flow going. So that's important. Like just because a, a company has a thousand reviews, I mean it's a thousand reviews from 20 djs in their company but still choose the dj you know if whether you're booking from a multi-op company make sure you know who who the dj is going to be read their reviews if they have any talk to the dj don't just talk to the sales guy on the phone you know because he's just selling you product but you want to get to know the dj and get to understand their style and their personality and make sure that you guys are on the same page yeah, that's how I educate would educate my clients. Like, make sure you know what you're getting. There's too much smoke and mirrors out there. Cool. Could look good because they're great at marketing, but you know if they don't have the reviews and experience to back it all up, 
that 30 second video that looked awesome you didn't see the other two hours and <laughs> you know 59 minutes and 30 seconds of that that wedding you only saw 30 seconds of dj sh- you know showing off on how he can mix two songs well um speaking of marketing how can how can people find you instagram at dj gaetano g-a-e-t-a-n-o uh-huh and my website dj com. great so that's about that's how you can find me Gaetano, I'm really honored you took the time to sit down with me today. Thank you so Thanks much. Thanks for having me. I had a great time. <laughs> and yeah, we're awesome. Gonna, we'll rock out in two weeks, man. It'll yeah, fun. for sure. Thanks for listening to the Frank's Percussion Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and coworkers. Reach out to me on Instagram at Frank's Percussion. I love you. <laughs> <laughs>